0: Welcome to the Relatively Damaged Podcast, where damaged people come to learn maybe, just maybe, we're all just a little bit damaged. Someone once told me to assume 50% of the people I meet are struggling or have been damaged in some way. I would venture to say that it's more like 100%. Everyone is currently struggling or has struggled with something that made them feel like they aren't good enough. They aren't capable. They are damaged. That's what we're here to talk about. In my ongoing investigation of the damaged self, I want to better understand how others viewed their own damage. Maybe it's not so much about the damage, but about how one deals with it. There's a deep commitment to becoming who we are meant to be. How do you do that? How do you find balance after a damaging experience my hero is the damaged person the one who faced impossible challenges to come out on the other side whole who stared directly into the eyes of adversity and with unyielding persistence found their purpose let's hear from another hero today we're going to talk with karina from sacramento california She's 20 years old and has many roles in her life. Sister, daughter, caregiver, student, and more. She hit her head jumping on a trampoline when she was five and lost sight in her left eye. She got to wear cockeyed glasses. We'll also learn how her family uses yelling as a part of the process to find common ground and more. Let's talk. What would you say was your biggest struggle as a child?
1: My biggest struggle... Probably when I was five years old, I was jumping on the trampoline and hit the back of my head really hard, and I um, lost a lot of sight from my left eye, and so uh, since that, I've been cross-sighted, gone to eye therapy, and still to this day, I still have, um, my left eye I still can't barely see, even with glasses, everything.
0: And what was the hardest part of that challenge
1: um probably just not seeing how everybody else sees and like even like with glasses I still can't see with my left eye and I feel like that just like put me apart from other people and um also just reading slower than others because like my Um, My eyes, I don't know, like don't track as well, and so I read slower. And
0: was that something you had to to really work hard on? And maybe what what tools
1: did you have? The tools I had was my eye therapy class. Like, well, it was like a, a program and. I had all these tools, I had these um, little gains I had to um, focus my eyes on, and so that's the reason my, why I'm not cross sighted right now. Mm-hmm. So it did help with my cross sightedness and maybe if I worked harder on it, it would have helped my eyesight, but yeah, my eyesight, from, with my left eye at least, is worse. With my right eye, I can still see perfectly fine, Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I can still kind of see how other people see, but just not as well. <laughs> Does that frustrate
0: you? At times, yeah. What? How so? Explain a little bit.
1: Maybe an experience or something. Um, I feel like because people, um, I mean, I don't look any different than anyone else. so People don't really recognize me as someone who has, like, um, an eye problem. Because, like, I don't wear, I mean, right now I don't really wear glasses so people don't really know unless I say something. And uh, when they do, they're all like, oh, close your eyes, let me see what I can, um, like, uh, what you can see. And it, like, kind of annoying and, like, um... So, like, they want you to close one eye? And, and see, yeah, like, oh, like, how many fingers am I holding? When I can <laughs> see, like, I, it's really blurry, but I can still see how many fingers they're holding up. <laughs> and it, that sounds frustrating. Mm-hmm. And what do you do in those situations? Mm, I mean, when I was younger, I, like, played along with it because, I don't know, it didn't seem to bother me as much. Um, more, uh, like... It more as it does now, like it bothers me more. But I feel like now I don't really bring it up, so no one really asks.
0: Okay, so now you just don't talk about. It's kind of become part of just part of who you are, mm-hmm. yeah. and if. If I remember correctly, you're pretty much a straight A student, and you're going to school to hopefully be a nurse practitioner, a PA, PA. <laughs> PA. And how has how what did what did you have to do to overcome the struggle? And I mean, obviously with reading, it's that's hard if you can't see. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think you had to work harder than others and? And if so, how how did you do that?
1: Yeah, I I feel like I did have to work harder than others because I feel like everybody else they read a book really fast and I was like had to read slower and I when I read like a hundred pages in a day it take like a few hours for me to do that. Um and I did have to like spend more time at reading than other people did, so that was harder. Yeah.
0: That sounds mm-hmm. like it would be frustrating. Yeah. Um, so you probably had to spend a lot more time on homework.
1: hmm And
0: um, how, do you think maybe is it that by slowing down that may have helped you in some ways
1: that... Um, I feel like... I got in um, when reading a book. I remembered more details mm-hmm. than other people would if read it normally. I feel like I remembered more details that way, and so that did help me.
0: So it helped you to retain more information. Mm-hmm. Would how about the the strengths? How do you view it now? Looking back, are you you know, is there some gratitude for having that struggle and what have you learned that's helped you now
1: I feel like everybody's different and they go through different struggles and this was one of my struggles in life and even though I had this struggle I still overcame it mm-hmm. like I still got good grades and like For example, like my siblings, they read fine, they didn't have any eye problems, and yet they got lower grades than I did. (laughs) So like, yeah, I feel like anyone is capable with any kind of difficulty that they struggle with, Mm -hmm. they can overcome it. Mm -hmm. And...
0: So it sounds like you learned to be more dedicated to schoolwork and that was important to you. Do you think part of that was because of the struggle? Like you were just, I mean, how much of it was wanting to get good grades? I don't know how to ask this question. How much of it was wanting to get good grades and how much of it was just determination to overcome that? And. The internal, like, I'm deter- you know, like, is that nature or is that nurture, right? Was that something you think was inside of you or maybe something that was taught?
1: I feel like it was both. Like, um, I've always seen my parents work hard. They are um, immigrants from Russia and they worked hard and they opened their own business up. And they did that. And I feel like from their example, I feel like I was determined to work hard, too.
0: So maybe having immigrant parents gave you an edge to learn how to overcome what the seemingly impossible?
1: Yeah, I feel like that does have a lot to do with it. Because I feel like on my own, I wouldn't. Like, if I didn't have that example, I feel like I wouldn't work as hard as I I am, and as I was, because my parents worked really hard to get us here, and I feel like that has, like, I have the op- more opportunities here too. So, mm-hmm.
0: so you've got immigrant parents, and <laughs> how many siblings? Seven total. And are they? They're mostly older
1: or younger? Mostly older. I'm the third youngest. The third young,
0: Okay, so do you think that being the third youngest, like, what do you think being the third youngest helped you t- to learn?
1: I feel like I was talking to a friend the other day. Um, as she was, like, a middle, like, sort of the middle child, too. And I feel like um, we were talking about, like, being more independent than the younger ones. Because I do have younger siblings, and... They are
0: not independent. <laughs> <laughs> did, did they have, or, I mean, you obviously had a major struggle. What struggles did, have your
1: siblings had? Um, <laughs> I mean, they kind of got things handed to them. Okay. Unlike I did, like, because in middle school and high school, I babysat my siblings as well as work at the store. Uh, at my parents' store, and I always did that, and I worked hard and helped them as much as I could, like, on the weekends when I didn't have school. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
0: And your siblings did not?
1: No, they uh, they do work at the store sometimes, but not, like, as much as I did, and they don't do as much as I did when I worked there.
0: So maybe from that early-on challenge, you gained some insight into – I don't know, stick to itiveness or persistence, maybe? Could be. I, I'm trying to figure out what that... <laughs> I think that that's actually a really important skill, but, and there's a chance maybe you could have walked away without that persistence. Or um, I'm
1: thinking your parents probably let you struggle a little bit with. Yeah, they didn't hand things to me, I had to work for it. Cause like, um, even I was, I think I was like 11, I babysat my siblings, they would go to work and I babysat them and had responsibility of cooking for them, do cleaning and all that. And then once I got a little older, I was uh, working at the store, I had that responsibility and I had to wake up early. I had to go with my dad to the store. I had to work and, um. And, yeah, like, it was, it wasn't, like, easy. And I did do it, like, on the weekends, like, when usually kids relax.
0: You stepped up Mm -hmm. and would help. So your older siblings, like, is there a big gap? Or are they much older, younger? Are you guys really close together? I mean, they're seven. That's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean,
1: kind of. So um, my oldest is, like, 33, I think. And you and um, and I'm 20 and my older like uh, older sister she's 22 and then I have an older brother who's 25 and so it's kind of all over the place. some are close some are further. And by having those the
0: I mean were your parents busy with your other siblings like so you were kind of left to learn and grow on your own or did you feel like you had guidance? how what did that look like?
1: I feel like mostly I was raised by my grandma and my two older sisters because my parents always worked because they were at the store. They opened up the business when I was like three, so I was mostly with them. And I don't know, I feel like I just gained that independence Mm -hmm. through that because I didn't like rely on them as much.
0: Right. So did your siblings step in and help? How how did that work?
1: Yeah, like my,
0: two of my older
1: sisters, um, like they babysat as well as help at the store because they were cashiers at the store too. And they helped a lot with my parents. What age store. were, right? <laughs> what
0: age were you when you went, when you first started helping at the store?
1: Um, I was probably, I, I'd say 12. Okay. Yeah.
0: And what was your favorite thing to do?
1: Probably make the salads.
0: The salads. Uh-huh. Tell tell me about that.
1: Um, uh, one salad in specific. Um, I I always helped out in the kitchen, and I was always doing salads and just preparation with other foods too. Because so it was a grocery store, we had plenty of stuff. Um, and so the. The big salad we had it was like a huge bowl, and I had to like cut up all of the potatoes and there was uh carrots and like a whole bunch of other stuff, and I had to mix it all myself, I had to put all the um the seasoning and everything, in, so like I was doing all that all my, by myself as well as putting them in the containers and weighing them. i had, I did that whole process
0: at the age of twelve. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, yeah so, so is that still your favorite salad today?
1: Yeah, and I haven't had it in a while. <laughs> you gotta grab me some of that. <laughs> You're like, I need that now. <laughs> and,
0: and um, so you overcame this challenge of struggling to see, and and you were young. Mm-hmm. What about school? Like, would you, were you picked on? Um, did you have to wear special glasses or like tools to? train your
1: eyes what was that like i feel like in school thank god i wasn't bullied at all no everybody i don't know they just accepted me and but i did have to wear thicker glasses uh, like on my left side and so my glasses would uh, like tilt oh no <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. so they were like
0: literally cockeyed <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yeah <laughs> So emotionally, like from an emotional perspective, what would you say was the most important lesson um, from from making it through that challenge?
1: Um, I feel like just having that independence and working hard, growing and um, living through that experience, just helped me to be determined and. I don't know, it just made me different than everybody else. And I'm also Christian, and you're supposed to be different than everybody else, too. Okay. Because you're not supposed to follow the worldly things in life. You're supposed to be looking at God, focusing on Him. And I feel like, sort of, that's kind of what I felt going through my vision problems. So
0: you looked at it as being tempered, if you will? In mm-hmm. fire, right, or there is that Chinese I don't think it's proffered, but the story about the the broken cup, um, for instance, you know, so if something if a dish breaks in China, they repair it with with gold, and because it's repaired with that gold, it becomes more valuable. So it sounds to me like your perspective is I'm more valuable. Or I have more value because of that challenge than had I not had that challenge, mm-hmm. so if you were able to go back in time and tell your young self anything you could tell them um during that struggle, what would you what would you say?
1: Um, probably just don't care whatever anybody else thinks, just focus on your goal and keep striving and. Nice. So, you're a caregiver. Yes.
0: And what made you decide to get into that field? Well,
1: (laughs) I mean, I was, like, after high school, I was just trying to find a job because I wanted to branch out on my own and not just work for my parents. I wanted to do something on my own where I can actually have a paycheck and <laughs> be an adult <laughs> um, and I was just looking for a job any job really and I came upon um, a caregiver and I'm like "Huh, that's interesting because I've always wanted to be in the medical field mm-hmm. and so I'm like hmm, a caregiver would get like my uh get my toes in a little bit to the medical field and so I'm like why not you know it, it won't hurt and so I did uh, do an application, and I got an interview, and here I am two years later.
0: <laughs> Tell us a little bit
1: about the types of people you've gotten to care for. Oh, there's been many, <laughs> many different types. Um, I've had definitely some tough clients, that but they were always so sweet to me. I feel like, I don't know why, <laughs> Um like, I had a, one in a wheelchair who was independent in his own way, By he was able to drive his own van, because there was, like, this special, it was, like, this special van, which was pretty cool, and he had, um, he needed help with the showers, he needed a lot of assistance with, like, cooking and whatever else he needed help with, like, soaking his feet, for instance, because, Um, He wasn't able to walk, and he had many struggles, and I helped him out with that, and I've had other clients with dementia, with Alzheimer's, which was hard. Definitely took a lot of patience. Yeah, I feel like this job really grown my patience with others. What about,
0: so the gentleman in the wheelchair, it sounds like it was important for him to, I think the word I'll use is have his dignity. So to at least try and do. And how do you, as a caregiver and someone who genuinely wants to help others, how do you balance giving someone their dignity and also letting them struggle?
1: I feel like I let my clients do as much as they possibly can. And if they do need assistance, obviously I will help them out. But I feel like the more that they can do on their own, the better. So how, what does that look like, though, as far as, like, what's happening
0: inside of you that you're able to give them that room, to give them the room to
1: struggle? I feel like it, it definitely was something to get used to because w- I've never been in, the, like, you know, caring for other people. I only worked in a grocery store. <laughs> um, I feel like because I know I've struggled with certain things and I feel like people need that struggle in order to overcome whatever they're doing like um to overcome what like what's the word I'm looking for just to be independent so I feel like just seeing like for instance they're eating soup or something to have them at least try and grab the spoon try to put it in their mouth And if they can't, I will help them. But, like, if they spill, that's okay. Because it's not about them spilling it. It's about them trying to eat on their own and having... Just gaining that independence. Because I feel like a lot of caregivers just try to do it for them. And I've seen that. And I'm like, they should be doing it on their own. They At least try doing it on their own. Maybe they can. And you can help them with that. But I... I've worked in a facility, and I've seen people um, just doing it for them when they are capable of doing it themselves. And I, like, I don't know, i just seen that, and I'm like, that's not right. Like, it shouldn't be like that. They should be doing as much as they possibly can.
0: Because when they do as much as they possibly can... They feel more of a person. They Okay, so it's like they get the... The human experience, they get to be human Mm -hmm. instead of basically like a a doll or a thing. Is that? Mm -hmm. So how do you explain that to other caregivers? How do they, how do you even get to that point where, you know, a lot of people I think get into caregiving to, to help and sometimes Mm -hmm. maybe they overhelp, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. and I guess the question I'm getting at is, what do you recognize in the patient, the patient or client? I'm not sure what you call them in your mind. What do you notice in yourself or in them? What do you notice in the client? What are the differences that you notice when a client is um getting too much help and when they're fighting? Like when they when they still get to try and be as whole as they can be? What's, I guess, what's the emotional difference that you recognize? If you want to share your relatively damaged story of struggle and how you found hope, visit us at damagedparents.com and complete the contact form.
1: I feel like what I've recognized, if, if they have it done for them, like majority of the stuff that they are capable of doing on their own, I feel like they just give up and they don't want to fight. And move forward.
0: When you say give up, what do you mean
1: by give up? Like, give up on doing things themselves. Give up on trying to be normal, on doing it by themselves. Having that ability and, you know, being like everybody else's. Yeah, they do have, like, a disability or a mental issue, but they they're still human.
0: Yeah. So I think like, I really, it's really, I heard you say the word normal and what came to mind is what is normal. And, and I think what maybe you were trying to say is that it, I don't think the word was normal. I think it was human.
1: Yeah. I think it was like, <laughs> I was like, I said normal, but I'm like, that's probably not the right word. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and
0: I think though, that that's like a, that that's actually a huge problem in society is in how we talk about disability. And, and because if everyone is, is damaged in some way, shape or form, you know, and, and one of my friends said to me a long time ago, no child escapes childhood unscathed. So if no child escapes childhood unscathed, then aren't we all damaged in some way? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but how do you keep the human keeping that humanity is so important and when we use I think as a society use the word normal to describe everyone else if you will which from a disabled perspective that means everyone else is capable and I'm not and that also means maybe I'm not good enough because I will never be like them even though I'm maybe I'm just different Mm -hmm. and I don't know how how to change help change that perspective
1: Yeah, I feel like it's just very stereotypical. Yeah, the word normal is not the right word. Because, yeah, we all all go through struggles in our own ways. We're human. We go through different things. We may not look the same as someone else. We may not sound the same. We may not do the same things as other people. But we're all human. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing.
0: And how would you suggest that other people, or all of us, if you will, start to recognize that we're similar and different at the same time? Can you repeat that? So, we're all human, which means we're all similar. Mm -hmm. And yet, we're also very different. So, if you were to have a voice in the world, and you wanted to to try and explain that to someone else, how would you, what would you say?
1: I feel like, well, from a Christian point of view, I feel like we're all created by the same God. And we, yes, we are all different, but we are all the same. We all have, hmm, I don't know how to word this. <laughs> Like, uh, okay, I have a thought. Okay.
0: Maybe one of the big problems they had with CGI was uh, making the ocean. And I think it it was talked about in Moana. And the beauty of the ocean was not in perfect waves, but in the immense difference of each small inflection on the surface. Mm -hmm. And... Without all of those different, without all those, quote unquote, imperfect, what some people might call imperfections, but with all all those different heights of waves and the different ways the wind blew, it would no longer be the ocean. It would be symmetrical. And what what I think they were finding was that when it looked symmetrical, it wasn't believable. So I think in some ways, differences are embedded in our world. And I'm not sure where we got the idea that as humans, we need to be the same. And if we're not the same and we don't fit, then we're wrong. I think it might be easier, like you said, your, your inability to see out of your one eye is not a visible disability per se. So walking around in the world, going shopping, people don't, it's not noticeable. And yet you still had this tremendous struggle to learn how to read, to learn how to process, to, Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds like even till this day, doing homework is probably a a laborious task for you. Yeah. What could be done, I guess, is the better question, to help society as a whole see the importance of differences and not the sick, bad, and wrong side of differences.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, um, despise people who are different than them and like want everybody to be just like them, but this is not a perfect world. Nobody's perfect in this world. We all have our struggles. We're all different because yeah, like we all bleed the same though. If you think about it, we all bleed the same and we should be united and overcome those differences In our lives yeah we may not look the same we may not act the same but we're all just humans just trying to get through life and going through our own struggles so how do
0: you you know we see online arguments and debates and people taking sides and and not just taking sides but but angrily taking sides and Not having a discussion, but wanting another person to be right. So we've got this group of people, right, that's having these discussions. And then, and I also hear what you're saying about being united. And so when I hear united, I also think similar. Maybe the best question is how could we get people to be united in their differences and maybe celebrate them? How, how does that, how do you get from, from here to there? Because so many people... In today's world are, I'm not going to talk politics with you because if I talk politics with you, we're just going to get in a fight and I'm going to hate
1: you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like people tend to stay on their side of the argument and not look what the other side has to offer, what their perspective is in their argument. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, a lot of people are just like one-sided in their argument. And not understand why why in the world someone else has the other the opposite statement like they don't see the other side's perspective and I feel like if we saw each other's perspective and uh, saw each other's argument we would grow more and be more united like that because and respect other people's opinions, respect what they have to, their side of the argument as well. You may still not agree with them, but at least respect it. And I feel like that's a way we could stay united.
0: So I think what I'm hearing you say is, listen, not to change your mind, but to be open to possibility. Yes. And if someone is certain they're right, how do you do that? Uh. <laughs> if that that person, right? Yeah. Let's say you're that person and you are certain you are right about how the world should be viewed. Mm-hmm. And someone else is not. How do you approach that conversation?
1: I feel like the best thing is to listen. I feel like a lot of people don't listen to other people. I feel like they just want them to be heard. They want the, their side to be heard. And sometimes you just got to listen to them.
0: Okay. So I think I hear two problems there. One side just wants to be heard and the other one is just forced to listen. Mm. So if both sides are coming from, well, I want to be heard and I have to listen because they're not going to stop talking Mm. until I listen, but I'm not listening for understanding. How do we get to the next step? Mm. How do we get to, I'm going to listen because I'm sure there's wisdom in what you have to say. And not because I have to.
1: Hmm.
0: What, I mean, what if someone's just coming at me like, hey, you got to believe this. And inside me, what's happening is I'm backpedaling because I'm actually starting to feel attacked. Uh So how do I stay engaged and hear them? Or what do you do? When, when you're feeling attacked, whether, I mean, because this is the same in any relationship, right? Family or in the world, you know, because people are going to, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. How do you stay engaged?
1: I feel like when I am feeling attacked, I just want to leave and not be in the presence of that person who's, I feel like is attacking me. And hopefully they will think about like why they are acting the way they are. Like if, if someone is attacking you, you don't want to be there. You don't want to feel attacked. I feel like the best thing is to just walk away by like giving them a minute. Not like walking away, just walking away, but like giving them a minute to rethink what they're saying, rethink like what they're doing.
0: But they're so passionate, they can't. So now what? You're you have to believe them. They are right. They know they're right. And walking away or giving them a minute—they're still right. Hmm. And you also said you've got—we've got to listen. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that when you're flooded with emotion because you don't feel like you get to have your voice?
1: I feel like when I am um, flooded with emotion, I try not to think about it. When I am frustrated with the person that is attacking me and I have to listen, I have to be there. I feel like I focus on something else and try not to let the emotions get the best of me.
0: What do you mean yell
1: by back? Sorry. sorry. What
0: do you mean by not by focus on something else? Like, like
1: something around the room, try not to focus on them because then my emotions will get the best of me and I'd want to yell back. Mm -hmm. Which is not the best
0: idea. (laughs) (laughs) So your way of protecting yourself right now Mm -hmm. is to be like, well, okay, so I'll sit here, but I'm not going to focus. I'm not going to listen because I'm forced to listen. So I'm trying to figure out what would happen if if you said, you know, I can't do that right now. I can't hear you when you're yelling at me. Mm Mm-hmm. What would, what do you think might happen then?
1: I feel like when, I mean, honestly, just tell them, I can't hear you when you're yelling at me. I feel like that's the only way they will, maybe, some people may not, but hopefully they will be like, Oh, and think about, like, what they are doing. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think it's helpful to say what the feel- what the feelings are that's going inside on inside of you? When you're yelling at me, I can't hear you, and I start feeling an- angry, like I want to mm-hmm. dig in my heels and go the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's helpful and that, that people are able to shift in that or what?
1: I mean, I guess it really just depends on the person. Some people will be like, oh, like, I had no idea, and then they would stop, but other people don't care, and there's no winning, or no, like, getting your voice heard in those kind of situations.
0: So do you, at that point, do you just kind of give up on being heard?
1: I mean, I probably try as much as I can to be heard, but if it's not working, there's you no, know, like I feel like what's the point if they you're not being heard? There's like you're just, there's no point in talking to the person cuz you're not going to be heard. Right. So what
0: I mean, what happens in like your family if when there's conflict like that? How does how does that get worked out in your family? Probably yelling. <laughs> <laughs> So then everybody yells at each other? Do they really hear it, though? Do they really, like, try to understand what's happening? Probably not.
1: <laughs> I mean, I feel like usually when someone's upset at someone else, they yell, and and then they leave, go to their room, calm down, and then come back and talk to them. Okay, That's so as long as... That's usually what happens. <laughs> okay,
0: so, so in your family, there's a process. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we... Get angry at each other, yell and scream, go to the room, come back, and can talk about it. Yeah. And and do things usually get solved that way? Um, for the most part, I guess. Like, Are you able to find common ground or see, like, do you think that in your family you're able to see the, the other person's perspective?
1: I mean, I feel like for the most part, yes. Because, like, when they talk to you. Then you're like, "Oh, okay. That's why you felt that way." <laughs> so it, it but
0: it, you've got to get there mm-hmm. first. Yeah. So it it sounds like it takes cooling off, a cooling off period. And I mean, how normal is it? I mean, do you feel I guess in your family, it sounds like you know that they are going to come back and and have a conversation with you does that? What amount of safety does that give you in feeling free to
1: voice your
0: opinions?
1: I mean, definitely at the moment when they're yelling, (laughs) definitely you won't get your feelings uh, heard. But I feel like once they're talking and you voice your opinions, I feel like for the most part it is heard and that they try and do better.
0: Mm -hmm. So you know. I mean, it just comes back to knowing that you can come back and have that conversation. Even... I'm sure there are some things that you just don't agree with, right? Yeah. And how do you agree to disagree?
1: I feel like just respecting their perspective and their decision on what they do and how they do it. Like, um, for example, uh, I wanted, say, a car, and my dad didn't want to get it or something, and he starts yelling at me. And then goes away, comes back, and is like, oh, sorry, I had a rough day at work. That's why I felt that way. And you're like, okay, that's understandable. We all have tough, tough times. We all go through different situations. And I feel like that way their perspective is heard, but you may not feel the same way. You're like, oh, like, you know, it's not about me. Like, why are you yelling at me for this when it's, it has nothing to do with me? but you still understand their side of it. Maybe you don't feel the same way, but you still understand and respect their um, perspective.
0: Right. So respecting and understanding doesn't mean what I'm, what I'm hearing from you is respecting and understanding does not mean that I have to agree and agreeing doesn't have to do with whether or not someone cares about me because my, my voice is important because difference is important. So like, I think what, what we've really been talking about a lot is how difference makes the world a better place. And the question becomes again, you know, just to kind of dial it back to what we kind of started this portion of the conversation about is how do we unite and be different? How does that work? So if if you could leave anyone, leave everyone with a thought on, your last thought on um, what you want the world to know.
1: I feel like the last thought that I want people to know is that, yes, we are all different. We all go through different things. We all struggle, have different experiences. But through that, we can stay united and respect other people's perspectives and what they have to say, and listen to them. And you may not have to agree with it, but at least listen to them and respect them. I feel like that's how we can stay united. And find value in those differences. Yes. Well, thank you
0: for sharing (laughs) your story with me today. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll chat soon. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Relatively Damaged by Damaged Parents. We really enjoyed talking to Karina about how she overcame her head injury and losing vision in her left eye. We especially liked it when she said, "cockeyed" and found out we aren't the only family that uses yelling to solve problems. To unite with other damaged people, connect with us on Facebook. Look for Damaged Parents. This podcast was sponsored in part by Arches Audio. We'll be here next week, still relatively damaged. See you then.